This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. On Money Talks, our primary goal is to answer your personal finance questions. But today we're also going to be talking about credit reports and credit scores, because a recent study found that Mississippi had the worst credit score in the U.S. at 680, well below the natural average of 714. So, we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. You can email money at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So on Money Talks, our primary goal is to answer your personal finance questions. But today, between your phone calls, we'll be talking about credit reports and credit scores uh, because a recent study found that Mississippi has the worst credit score in the U.S. at 680. The national average is 714. Uh, so good morning. Before we do the news in the news, we have an early caller on the line. So let's uh, start things off by going to Hernando and inviting Mike into the conversation. Mike, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Good morning, you guys. I have a question. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I called in about uh, looking at an equity loan against the value of my home. I went to my local bank, Cadence. And filled out the applications Monday, got everything done and sent in. Found out that I didn't know this. My credit score is six six six. Oh dear! And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, will that adversely affect the loan, uh, the process of the loan? Yes. I'm waiting to hear back from them. Yes. I um, mean, your score um, does have an impact on what kind of rate they charge you on any loan, and they look at that as a higher risk. Kevin mentioned at the top of the hour that the average score is 714. Anything in the 600s, you can expect to pay more for any kind of loan. That's why it's so important mm-hmm. to have a really good credit score. And the score that a um, that is required varies depending on the type of loan. So it's not just a hard and fast, but certainly in the 600s is an issue. Yes, okay. and I would also say that... F- Again, more broadly, the home equity line is a little more unique to the bank and to the borrower, so it's not it, it's not quite like mortgages where we can kind of, you know, spot right where your interest loan might uh, interest rate might be. But another factor that makes them a higher interest rate than, for instance, a mortgage is that it is kind of the payment is self managed. It's a it's a line of credit, not a specific. Well, not necessarily pay. because there are two types. Oh, okay. There there is the home equity line of credit where uh, writers referencing that where you just take out what you want when you want it up to a certain amount, and then they 
they usually require some percentage of the principal each month and some interest on top of that. But a straight home equity loan is different because it is, here's this pile of money, and now you have to make standard payments just like you do with a mortgage. So there are two different ways they do that. Both of those are going to be collateralized loans, so they're secured by your home. So that does help you with the possibility of getting a loan, even though your score is lower, because they do have the assurance that if you don't pay, they've got an asset that's worthy of them taking and covering the loan. Let me ask you this. She explained it to me that they act like the second mortgage holder in the home. Yes, that's correct. uh, She said she figured out, uh, she typed out everything. She said, well, given what you want to borrow, and it's $18,000, she said you're looking at probably $100 to $200 a month over 10 years. But it's strictly, you know, it has to be paid down, of course, and I'm going to pay extra to get it down. But I was wondering if that low credit score to mine is going to adversely affect my even getting the loan. Well, it sounds like maybe not. It just could be that the rate is going to be higher. And again, back to those two types, a straight home equity loan probably has a fixed rate. And right now, those rates are going to be fairly high because mortgage rates are fairly high in the 7% plus range. Um, If it's a home equity line of credit, those are typically variable rates. Typically, mm-hmm. okay. so they will then vary depending on the market rates. I know it won't affect me, but my original loan uh, was a VA loan at three point two percent, and times. I know that this rate is, is going to be higher. I know I knew that much. Yes, I wouldn't think that credit score is so low that they just wouldn't offer you a loan. It's just they they just have ways of tightening up the terms and and the interest rate's the biggest one, of course, and the total uh, amount that they offer you is another one. So, well, I needed I needed your advice because they told me it'll take about a month to hear back from the bank, mm. and then I'll get some package from FedEx in the mail, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> And I've been sitting here worried that she was what if they refuse it? Well, but it didn't sound like they were going to. Yeah, I think your biggest issue. I mean, it, eighteen thousand is not a huge amount, and it all depends on what is the value of your home, and what is the right. primary mortgage amount against that home. So, is there a big enough difference that they can be assured that they're going to get their eighteen thousand dollars back? And you're probably going to be okay. I do, I do know that the uh, the equity in the house is thirty three thousand. I've had it for eight years, and I'm only borrowing 18 against that equity. And so uh, she said that was a a good thing, and I'm hoping it is. Well, good luck. Hope you hear back very soon. But I think you're going to be okay. Just um, try to address that as quickly as possible. Will do. Thank you for your advice. Thanks for the call, Mike. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Nancy, uh, what's uh, in the news financially that caught your eye this week? Gosh, Kevin, just this week I read that in Wisconsin they are trying to pass a law to lower the age to 14 to 17-year-olds who can serve alcohol in restaurants, which tells you everything you need to know about the situation in the labor market right now. We are desperate for workers, um, and if you've got people who can't serve alcohol until they're 18, then that really puts a burden on your restaurants. And in the service industry, that's a real problem. And what most people don't realize that all of these issues are connected, our tight labor market, um, our debt 
deficit talks that we're in now um, and our immigration policy, all of these are connected and related to a bigger problem we have here in the U.S., which is an aging population. So if we look at that aging population and see that, that these are people who are aging out of the workforce, but they still have income and they want all the services, they need all the services, and also they are collecting on Social Security and Medicare, which puts a burden on our budget. So, Nancy, are you going to be able to ask your 14-year-old uh, cocktail <laughs> yes, waiter, yes. like, for a good recommendation? So, I, I need, what, yeah. what is a good cocktail to go with this meal? Or are you going to have a 14-year-old uh, this, sommelier? This cosmopolitan is just uh, not quite right. Now, what, what wine would you pair with yes. this dish? So, you got, of course, that's that's very important for the job training, of course, understanding what sort of things you're serving. Sales of the Shirley Temple are going to go through the roof. <laughs> <like, laughs> I highly recommend, I highly recommend an Arnold Palmer well, you know, with this meal. There was even at the, at the grocery store, the, an underage clerk is not even allowed to touch like a six pack of beer to scan yeah. it. And yeah. That's like, that's, yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah, that's kind of strange. As yeah. if there's some osmosis it's um, going to. Have you been around 14 year olds? Yeah. <laughs> that's a five pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bought a couple of five packs at the store. My kid. Hmm, um, that's good. Ryder, what caught your eye this week? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I was looking. Uh, I, I do think the. "Quote unquote child labor." The younger, uh, Mm, I think that is a very interesting issue. For a long time, I mean, fourteen-year-olds are allowed to work as long as it's not dangerous, and just kind of opening up those occupations to them, as long as it's still not dangerous. But isn't it dangerous to have a fourteen-year-old employee (laughs) (laughs) by their nature? That's that's the risk that the employer is taking at that point, I guess. Um, But uh, so one thing I was looking at, just kind of interesting. I'm not a person who takes cruises. I have been on a cruise. It was a lot of fun. I don't hate it. Uh, But I'm uh, looking at a couple of cruise lines. uh, I think Royal Caribbean and Norwegian reported their earnings, reported just just their forecasts for the upcoming year, and they are saying that business is booming. Mm. Of course, part of this, we've been talking for a long time about all the pent-up demand from people not going on cruises in 2020, uh, even 2021, so really just scheduling things further and further out and getting those on the calendar. uh, The cruise lines have been able to raise their prices because there's so much demand, but people are still going on cruises. And so all this talk about, oh my goodness, you know, I'm so worried about the future. I'm so worried. If you are so worried, you do not go on a cruise. You do not plan a cruise vacation six months out if you are worried about your future six months out. I mean, unless it's, maybe it's escapism, but. Well, you think they're going to have 14-year-olds bringing you cocktails have, by the pool? They're going to have a 14-year-old cruise boat pilot. It's, it's going to yeah. be staffed entirely by 14 14-year-olds. It's going to be great. Good times. <laughs> My thing about a cruise is they're very expensive. And what if you go and you've never taken one before and you suddenly discovered that you are, are susceptible to getting seasick? You would oh, be, those yeah. huge. I mean, if they're you're on so a huge big, ship, yeah, okay. you, you hardly notice it's that not, movement. Yeah, it's, it's not like being Now, the smaller adrift. ones, I've been on a smaller <laughs> one, and it's it can be miserable. It's not like it's not like being adrift on a on a door in the icy <laughs> North Atlantic after after your cruise with ship a, sinks. Uh, an imaginary tiger, the, you know, that movie, The Life of Pi. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. That's actually yeah. a good movie. I like that. Be a little rougher seas there. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app on your smartphone. Then you get to listen to all the MPB Think Radio programs, the locally produced ones, on demand. 
Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder ready to answer personal finance questions. Also today, we're going to be talking about credit scores and credit reports uh, because uh, uh, my colleague Liz Gill found an article. It's a study by Consumer Protection Attorneys, FCRA, by Fair Credit, found that U.S. residents filed more than 197,000 credit report complaints between September 2021 and September 2022. The interesting fact is that as many as two in three problems reported are from consumers who say that information contained in their credit report does not belong to them. So we talk about reviewing these, and that's uh, uh, certainly a reason to. Uh, I was able to pass the report, the full report, on to both of you, and I wondered if you had any other kind of things that sort of jumped out at you uh, in the in this study that we're talking about. Well, I was thinking about um, in Mississippi in particular, we have a lot of people we call unbanked. Um, they are not really participating in the financial system. They live on a cash basis. Certainly, if you're in a rural area, you're living on family land, um, you may not be using credit, accessing credit. Um, but for most of us, we still need to be able to access credit just to do business every day, to buy a car, to buy a house, to get a credit card, to order anything online, to travel. All of that requires some sort of credit, which means you have to have a decent score. And that score is going to be based on what's in that credit report. Yes. I, and I think... I- Having looked at credit reports, uh, one of the things that can be confusing is just sometimes the amount of information. It's huge. Yeah. Um, it, it's not just, oh, you have a credit card and you're good with it. Oh, you have a mortgage loan and you're good with it. And that's and that's that. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's it, They'll have entries for every time that they they checked your credit to see uh, what your what – your, balance to uh, to credit line is they'll have entries for every time there was an inquiry on there. And so what it, what it means is there is a ton of information. You see that, that a lot goes into that calculation. And you see as well that, like you said, there's, there is room for error. With If it was just two entries, boy, that'd be really bad if one of them was the wrong person. That's half your report. But if you've got 100 entries on there, and one of them is, oh, they've got their balance wrong this month, or or the, they got the payment timing wrong on something. It's just someone, one company had an issue with their system and didn't report something one month. Then, then it just means there's a lot more for you to look through and a lot more room for, for error there. And you can get a free credit report at annualcreditreport.com. So don't be enticed by all of these mm-hmm. uh, online offers of we'll get your credit. Um, go to that free site and order one. It's going to take a little while to get to you. You will not get the score. You're not going to get a score unless you've been turned down for credit and then they are required to give you that score. Mm-hmm. But what's in that report determines the score. And of course, you know, I've been around a little bit longer than Ryder has. So my credit report is going to be a lot thicker than Mm -hmm. his. And to go back and look at those and you're looking for things that have cleared out. Maybe you, you know, you purchased a house 20 years ago and, Mm -hmm. and you no longer have that house. It should show that all of that has been cleared off. But just checking for some of that. So that's really shocking to me that there is such bad information. Remember, there are three main credit reporting agencies, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, and they may have different information on each of those uh, reporting agencies, but it does have an impact on you. 
So uh, annualcreditreport.com, let's say that several times during this hour, because I think one of the takeaways that I'd like for folks to get is where you go to get that free report. And as Ryder mentioned, there's so much stuff on there. If you get in the habit of checking this regularly, and because you can get one from each of the three, you could actually do it every four months, I guess it is. But if you kind of do it regularly, that way you don't have to think, well, that was three years ago. Was that really, you know, it's easier to verify the accuracy of the information in there if it's more recent. So annualcreditreport.com. Got some calls to get to. Let's start on the phone lines. John's calling in from Jackson today. Good morning, John. You're on the air. So go ahead. Good morning to all. I have a question about my daughters who just finished college and they plan on buying a house in maybe 10 years. Um, them starting out, um, one of them wound up with an eviction because of this thing that went on, you know, the grand assistance, but the landlord has to sign these papers and submit them, but he didn't refuse to because he didn't want low-income people living there. And I was wondering how that one eviction from their apartment would affect their credit score, and is there anything that I can tell them to that help would help them. Thank you, and I'll listen to you on the video. Yeah, I think the first thing to do would be to check her credit report with all three bureaus at annualcreditreport.com and see if that is indeed on the record. Uh, Those sort of things do not always pop up. I know that some landlords do use credit reports to check to see kind of the credit worthiness. So is this going to be a good regular paying tenant? But it is much more rare for a uh, lin- uh, for a ten- uh, for a landlord, excuse me, to actually be reporting uh, late payments or evictions or things like that. So that may not be on there. That would be more of a thing that comes up in just like a background check, which is not really used in mortgage qualification. So that may not have an impact. Um, she could. There's a lot of ways to dispute information uh, because if if she feels that it just it, say it is on the report or just more generally if there is a negative comment a negative action on the report that she, anyone does want to dispute you can dispute that both with the credit reporting bureau and with uh, the furnisher whoever whoever supplied that information to the credit reporting bureau. So those are the two ways that uh, something could be disputed and taken off. Additionally, things that are quite old and have kind of settled and cleared out. Uh, so say there was, say you missed some payments, say you defaulted on a debt, but you ended up paying it off. Those things do roll off of the credit report. I believe it's after seven years, but they just kind of, I think of them as slowly fading away, fading out of importance as it as credit reports have started being a lot more focused on the current data. And even with some of the new ways of credit reporting, they're uh, trying to focus on future payments because that's, that's really ultimately what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to see in the future, is this person going to pay me back? And it may be true that they had a hard time paying someone back in the past, but People change. People get better. People also get worse. Uh, so that's what they're trying to do. So hopefully after time, that wouldn't Im- impact her, but it may not even impact her report at all. If you want to dispute a claim, make sure you do it in writing and you send that uh, letter to each one of those three reporting agencies so they have a record of it. 
This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're talking about credit scores and credit reports this morning, but also looking about any personal finance question that you might have. We've got Gene who called in this morning. Gene, you're on the air with us, so go ahead, please. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I've had a, a bit of an issue with so-called aliases on my credit report. It uh, stopped me from one... Uh, um, um, tire store place a while back from getting a renewed card and uh, I uh, when I actually looked and saw some I actually saw some of the stuff that was on there it was like you know I'm a junior so it had like JT for junior and it had it mixed with my sister's name it, it had a uh, uh, kind of a suffix to my name, and I don't want to say it on there, but it's a, a few little letters extra on my, and and it puts my middle initial mixed with her name and mixed with my last name, and I'm like, oh, God, I mean, uh, was this some kind of desk jockey that just did a bunch of mistakes so, over the years or something, and uh, it almost messed me up with my mortgage loan, well, I mean... It, it almost caused an, an issue, but uh, as far as you know, the loan officer asked me, well, Gene, how many aliases do you have? I'm like, none as far as I know. Who, who are you really, Gene? <laughs> but no, I, I have it all over my license and everything, who I am. And I'm like, where's all this coming from? I got credit card uh, offers, which... Um, like my sister's first name and my middle initial and last name, and I still get them yes yeah, so like you mentioned this can come up because somebody has submitted something with with a typo with an error in your name that's kind of wild that yeah, you're like three different typos I mean it was everybody had a blog with air data I mean within a few years of each other or something I'm like what's going on so what this obviously would be to contact what writer, what would you recommend? Yeah. So the way we see this a lot is when people are doing a credit check or an identity check. So he mentioned the issue arose when he was renewing a card. An issue arose when he was applying for a mortgage. No doubt that officer, whoever was doing that approval, was looking at his credit report, was just doing a kind of an automated query. And lots of different options came up. Maybe it, it said, did you mean Gene so-and-so or Gene? so-and-so um, because it, they probably also plugged in his date of birth and his social security number, which are probably, as long as you type those in correctly, probably a lot more accurate. So that happens, and that happens with people legitimately too, when people use, do use a middle initial or a middle name sometimes. Oh, at my house, it's a terrible when problem. People, <laughs> when people oh. uh, marry and change their name legally, they will have multiple names which are associated with their one corporeal form and with their one uh, credit report. So these happen for all sorts of legitimate reasons, but it sounds like in your case, errors, typos, somebody has oh, put it in wrong. It, and just, it, you know, it, 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 it's several somebody's because I remember back in the mid-80s, I mean, my first job when I got out of uh, college, uh, well, when I let go of college, anyway, it was uh, a lady said, well, she had pulled up my dad's stuff, I'm like, oh, 
post office, nineteen sixty-five, and God, I was just born in sixty-two. Well, I would suggest, Gene, that you go back and pull that free report, your annualcreditreport.com. And you're going to have to go over this with a fine-tooth comb. And every error, you need to document every error and then do that written dispute where you write a letter and you list everything. Now, this often when people have problems with uh, identity theft or even aliases or anything like this, it is, takes a lot to get it removed and fixed. And if you start to run into problems, you could at some point need to consult with an attorney to get their help to actually get some of this cleaned up. And one other thing, so having multiple names on there, because they can come legitimately, they can just be a typo, that's not a huge issue. I think you should try to get those names corrected. And again, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has some great uh, templates and some links to forms and instructions on how to get items corrected with each of the different reporting bureaus. But one of the issues is if someone is reporting under an incorrect name, you need to get that name corrected with them. One of the things we do often when, like you mentioned, opening an account, renewing an account, getting a new uh, credit line is we send in a one in the same letter where somebody shows, my name is Gene so-and-so. I have also been known by Gene L so-and-so. I have also been known by my sister's name. And you can say, this is my name. This is the one that should be on the report. You can provide documentation. You can provide your driver's license. And everyone is going to have a different standard for how they, what they want to see in order to prove that you are Gene so-and-so. Maybe your driver's license, uh, maybe... Maybe just a utility bill or a bank statement in your name. But having the multiple names, not too much of a problem. It's going to be a real big problem if that's causing other people's, for instance, like you mentioned, your dad's information or your sister's information actually being on your report. Now, if it's really good information, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe you don't want to dispute it. But, of course, it's, it's, it's going to be proper to get that removed So have your identity documents all in a row. uh, And also when you're applying for, like you said, renewing a card, uh, opening a new account, things where they do do uh, an identity verification and a credit verification, you're going to want to have something to say. Hi, I am Gene so-and-so. Here's some other names you might find me under. So when you use my date of birth and social security number to to do a check on me these are the names you might encounter don't worry they're all the same name i can't do that with my sister's name that's that's not good i have <laughs> well good luck with all of that Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We'll start in Byram. Kevin has called in this morning. Go ahead, Kevin. You're on the air with us. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good. Yeah, I got a question for you. That's a two-question. Uh, I have a credit freeze on my credit report. Okay. And, uh... And uh, I have a real good credit score. I call it all the time. Uh, I save my money pretty good. And uh, it's still okay to just let the state roll. I mean, I'm not trying to buy nothing else right now. I have uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, and a John Deere Corporation credit card. So is it okay to let the state froze? Uh, should I just yes, you know, yes. open it? I mean, um, Kevin, I... 
That's okay. Um, this is a good way to protect your identity, to protect any against any problems that could occur on your credit report. So I have a credit refreeze on my uh, credit. And as long as you're not needing a new credit card or you're not oh. going to buy a car with a loan or you're not going to change houses, you don't need a loan for business, then there's no reason for it to be unfrozen. Um, and here's something else you can do because I've done this before. Mine is frozen, but you can do a temporary unfreeze. So you can go in and on and you have to do it on each of those three agencies. Um, or in some cases, if you go to the bank and you want to just get a loan, they may say, oh, well, we always just access TransUnion. You might just have to unfreeze it on TransUnion. And you typically tell them a date for this is when I want it to be unfrozen and this is when I want you to freeze it again. So a temporary okay. unfreeze is a way to go that gives you that room and that flexibility if something comes up. Because right now you're like, well, I'm not going to access any kind of credit, but something could happen. Happen, and you may need to right. do that, and that's the way you do it. When you freeze that credit, make sure you keep up with all that information. In some cases, there's yeah. a PIN that you have. Uh, in some cases, it's just a phone number. When I was doing a, a temporary unfreeze recently, I couldn't find my information, so I had to call and go through a process so that they you know, verified I was who I said I was before they would do it, oh, but it was okay. fine. So this is the way oh. to go. Keep it frozen. Protect yourself until you need it. All right. Uh, my second question. Uh, I, I didn't always have it. You know. You know. I like to use the term success, but you know, comfortable and you know, I started out with a, like a four hundred twenty-five credit score. But mm-hmm. my advice to anybody: work hard at it, pay your bills on time, and just and just. Just, just trust in it. You know, it's a process, Good advice. but mm-hmm. you know, eventually, eventually it will work. I didn't. It took me like five years. I got my identity stolen in Virginia when I was driving trucks, mm. and uh, it took me like five, I think, under six years to get it back. But my big help come from my bank. Now I know everybody, and you know, a lot of people don't have bank accounts, but I encourage everybody to, to at least open up a bank account. You know, mm-hmm. checking on a savings account. I mean, you know, my, my, my bank helped me out a lot. And, and I said it, you know, from the bottom of my heart. They, they helped me out a whole lot. And, and I thank them for that. And I, I worked hard myself, you know, getting it there. But my bank helped me out a lot. You know, they guided me the way. They told me what I need to do, this and that. And also, uh, uh, Chapter 1 helped me out a lot. You know, so, I mean, I tell you, and my advice to you is just, Work hard at it and, and, and trust in it. it. It will work. And that's all I had to say. Good all advice, right. Kevin. Thanks. That's great, Kevin. All, all right. right. All Always right. good to hear from you, Kevin. Great stuff. Let's try Michael, who's called in from Hattiesburg. Good morning, Michael. Go ahead. Good morning. I, I know this is off subject, but I, I was wondering, are IRA accounts somehow protected from institutional failure in a different way from regular savings accounts. For instance, I have an account with Vanguard. If Vanguard went under, how much would my RA be protected? Hmm. Yes, yeah, so so talking about brokerage accounts, and Vanguard is moving all of their old mutual funds to brokerage accounts, I believe. So brokerage accounts, are they're not FDIC insured. So it's not like, oh, hey, my balance is $50,000. 
whatever happens, we're going to have $50,000. No, you're still subject to market risk of whatever you purchase. However, there is SIPC insurance. So if the brokerage, uh, if, if Vanguard w- were unable to continue functioning, SIPC is a ugh, Securities Investor uh, Protection Corporation. Yeah, prob- yeah probably uses yeah. Those, those. Yeah, it's probably the same letters. I think yeah, that's right. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> so they would step in, and essentially your your ownership of those securities is kind of a, a, a matter of record, and they would just transfer those accounts to a brokerage account. Uh, brokerage who could handle it, uh, similar to the FDIC receivership process, where they. They'll manage them before somebody else buys buys your accounts. But you have your account still exists. Of course, it doesn't do anything to protect the value as far as market fluctuation. It does protect you from the failure of the brokerage itself or any kind of fraud up to five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And and often. Often brokers will have additional insurance on top of that. So if you have a large account, that might be something you're interested in, and you can ask them for what their policy on that extra insurance might be. But in general, you're probably got up to five hundred thousand. I thought it was two hundred fifty. Two hundred fifty thousand is on FDIC. SIPC is five hundred thousand. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Thank y'all very much. Thank you for your call, Michael. Just a reminder to Michael and everyone. Regardless of what we're talking about on a Tuesday morning, if you have a personal finance question, please feel free to give us a call because that's our main purpose. Uh, We have these other topics just to fill time and also give you some interesting information, but we're always anxious to get whatever personal finance question you might have for us. Let's uh, go next to Angie, who has called in from Mobile. Good morning, Angie. You're up next. Go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having my call. Um, I was calling because... um, I have an okay credit score. It's like a 756 last time I checked. But I've noticed that it I can't I haven't been able to really get it past 760. And you know like I pay off bills on time and early and uh, I'm not carrying a lot of debt. I don't go over 30% on anything and if I do like I, I try to pay it off or pay the majority of it off immediately and I'm just wondering um, what can I do to, to bump it up I really would like at least an 800 but um, I haven't really been successful you have a very good credit score the image that came into my head was watching a track race and watching the person in front say oh but if i could have shaved off point zero zero one seconds yes you would have been faster but you have a very good credit score one of the things we mentioned on the show whenever we talk about mortgages for instance is the kind of 720 and up you're you're that's where you're getting some of the best mortgage rates 720 740 you're really not improving a whole lot with a higher credit score over there now uh, a lot of people do just like to have a high credit score uh, angie Ryder fun- does he has this really this gaming <laughs> to take it over like i don't know where nancy gets this oh, from yes. but i'm just going to entertain it for the purpose of this show so you're welcome folks but you're doing all of the right things um i would say one standard that i i have heard i don't, I don't know 
the the actual calculation of this score is kind of a secret, but the major categories are well known, and kind of guidelines about the categories are well known. So, what you, one thing you mentioned was keeping your usage of your credit low, and you're keeping it below thirty percent. Uh, keeping it below one thing I have heard. I, I, have a hard time finding this statistic again. It's keeping it below 10%, maybe even better. And one thing 10%. you can do. Yes. And here's the one thing you can do. This is the one thing that anyone can do today to improve their credit score is to call their credit card company and say, Hey, I have a $5,000 credit line. I would like you to extend that to a $6,000 credit line. That means you have more available credit, but the same balance. So that usage ratio, that utilization ratio will go down. Uh, different credit card companies have different policies on that. Sometimes if you've been a customer for a long time, they'll just raise it outright. Maybe they'll even double it sometimes for you. A lot of times you have to provide a little bit extra information for them. Say, okay, well, do you have a higher income? Have you moved? Do you have higher expenses? Like, what is it leading? you to ask for this because the weird dance of credit is they want to extend credit to people who don't really need it because those people are more likely to pay it back but if you if you sound like you really truly need the extra money they might be a little little worried about lending it to you um that may have what's called a hard pull on your credit report so that can show up that can have a a teeny tiny ding um but as far as where you're at, one, you're very good. Two, I see people complain about fluctuations in their score all the time, even moving it 20 points or so. Um, that is, that's not a, that's not a surprising thing to happen just kind of day to day, just depending on when they do check, particularly that utilization ratio is that's the thing that happens most frequently. Well, and there are a couple of areas that are, have a smaller impact, but that might relate to your situation. So they want to see longer credit records. So you might not have been ra- around long enough to have um, a credit card that you've held for 25 years. That counts more in your favor. Also, they they want to see different types of credit. Mm, so they want point. to see, oh, that you've, you've purchased a house and you've purchased a car and you've balanced these credit cards and you've had a business loan, that all of these things play into it. So for your score, which is excellent, um, anything on the fringes could bump it up a little higher. But again, I probably wouldn't worry. Yeah. And then length of credit history. And of course, if you've any of your cards are newer, no matter how well managed, that will bring down that kind of average length of your credit history. So those are some small things. No matter how well you manage it, you just have to wait for the passage of time there. All right. Okay. Well, I just have one more quick uh, question. It's about the other caller who talked about the credit freeze. When you unfreeze your credit, how long do you have to wait before you can use it? Oh, as soon as you unfreeze it, anybody can then pull uh, information. And um, so, you know, um, if you're planning to go car shopping, for instance, um, in the next few days, you can call and get it unfrozen. So by the time you find the car that you want, it's available for um, a credit pool. 
All right, uh, Angie, thanks for your call. And I will just say um, I subscribe to Credit Karma, which is a helpful uh, app and a website for this. And I know that I get a message frequently that says, hey, congratulations, your utilization ratio has been under 10% for three months in a row. So I think that has helped me a lot. Uh, Nancy, what you mentioned, I have one of my credit cards I got in 1977 and have had it <gasps> since then. Oh, Kevin, you're that old? <laughs> it was my <laughs> first one. I'll it have was, to say it that. was his first one. He was, he was six months old. <laughs> Uh, but I, it's the highest interest rate I have, so I don't use it very much, but I keep it on my credit report for the very reason, because I've had it since 1977. Speaking of high interest, um, I have an American Express card, and I maintain that American Express card because it's through Delta, and if I travel Delta, I get, you know, I can check my bags free. Um, so I always just pay it off. It does have an annual fee, um, but I just got a notice from them that their interest rate is 2749 I'm just like, that's crazy. Those are big numbers. I, I can hardly even count that, huh, Nancy? That's crazy. And that's what we're starting to see with a lot of these credit cards, because these are variable rates. Pay attention to those rates that you're being charged. If you don't pay them off every month, you're going to be getting hit with higher and higher interest charges. Kevin, you've had this credit card for 45 years, and they can't get you a better rate. (laughs) (laughs) They add on 1% for every year. Yes, they do. They're just trying to bring down the average card membership (laughs) by like three quarters. I mean, you have leverage against these people. Actually, uh, it started out as a Sears card and morphed into a Sears MasterCard, but I bought it to buy my first ever VCR. So that dates me. Uh, I thought it would be a pair of shoes. Well, that was second on there. Also, pay on time is another big one, I think. It always oh, yeah, that's sure. the main one. Yeah. Absolutely. We're glad you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, of, uh, new, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Got uh, about five minutes left, and so let's get to this uh, final call. We'll go to Pat, who's called in from Olive Branch. Hi, Kevin. Excuse me. I'm hoarse. Okay. I have just gone to annualcreditreport.com. They wanted all my information, and Better Business Bureau kept popping up all these wonderful things that secured me that I was okay. And then in the middle of all this, Social Security number, everything they needed. And then they wanted my credit card number. It ended up that I had been transferred, and I'm not sure of the things, but handed over to Free Score which was powered by scoresense.com, they wanted my credit card number so I could become a member. And if I did not become a member, I could not continue. And I'm really upset because all of every information you have, they have now. I'm upset by this, too. Well, not necessarily. (laughs) I mean, I have had this happen before, Pat, with other situations where you go on what you think is one site and maybe it looks like you're following that site, but you accidentally click into another site. Um, So I would tell you to go back to annualcreditreport.com. Make sure you stick with them. Watch that URL in the top bar to make sure you're not being pushed over. Because that's often where I see it. I think, well, why am I having to put in this information? And I realize Mm -hmm. I've been pushed to a different site. But that sounds like what happened, that there was some sort of ad. You may have inadvertently linked to that ad and gotten into a totally different site. And and I will say this is kind of just broadly internet uh, hygiene. A lot of times that can happen 
you are pretty sure what your website is. Maybe you mistype it, but or you are just searching in the search engine for that website. Annual credit report, when I search for it a few times in a couple of different browsers and a couple of different search engines, I do get annualcreditreport.com, but it is, like Nancy said, so important these days to to look at the actual URL itself. Is it www.annualcreditreport.com? Not just... Again, like she mentioned, an ad which may look almost exactly correct, but it is just designed to 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 trick you. And then that that's what makes me upset. That this is this is something that's very important for folks, and that's a service that is. Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly the legal arrangement of it, but it is the the three credit reporting bureaus. Kind of that is their official one. And for someone yeah. else to be trying to take advantage of of people who, who are just trying to check their credit report, I just think that's disgusting behavior. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, so I'm on the computer all day, and I know I'm very computer-wise, and I was yeah. extremely careful. I, and I, I actually asked for it. I didn't type in annual report. I asked for it, received it. Their website was beautiful and perfect. Hmm. And I'm upset. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to undo well, I, what these people have. I, I would say to you, um, I mean, I've had that same reaction, but I think probably with another um another institution or person coming in they probably don't have access to the information you put in for annualcreditreport.com they should not um i would say go back and try again and you are correct if someone then comes through and starts asking you for credit card information get out of there as soon as you yep. can Right. I would agree, Pat. Uh, if you come to a point where there's any, they're asking you anything that you feel uncomfortable about giving, I would say stop the procedure right there. If necessary, and you think it was a legitimate site, you can go back there later. But don't ever give out information. Don't feel pressured to give out any of your personal information. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can find it at moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. Our call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Nancy Lottridge Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.